स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट आई एम प्रसिद्ध बैनर्जी एंड आई राइट अबाउट टेक एट मिंट एंड दिसकास्ट वेर वी टैकल सम हॉट टॉपिक्स इन टेक्नोलॉजी एंड ऑल्सो बस्ट सम मिथ्स Quantum computing is a subject of the future. When you look at science fiction, you can take recent movies like Avengers or you can take very old movies like iRobot and many more. Wherever you see an AI going out of control, it's usually a quantum computer at work. Of course, those movies don't show that. Quantum computing is basically the next step of computing. The computers we have today work on the function of bits that is 0 and 1 which means that the answer to a question can be yes or no. In quantum computing we're dealing with matters of quantum physics and quantum entanglement and this is where things start becoming really 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 confusing and I do admit that it confuses me as well. In fact a lot of the scientists I speak to will often tell me that it confuses them as well because quantum physics is actually in a realm that hasn't been explored as much yet and that's why quantum computing is so interesting because it is going to double triple and increase the power of our computers even more the fastest supercomputer today will probably not be as fast as the first real quantum computer that we get and i have with me today two scientists who are actually working on quantum computing right here in india they are venkat subramaniam senior manager ibm research ai and quantum ambassador at ibm research india and shesha raghunathan the senior engineer and a distinguished quantum ambassador at ibm india systems development lab and i had a long chat with them about where quantum is going how far we are from quantum computing and a real quantum computer and this is what they had to say you know venkat chesha i i i want to sort of direct this question to both of you guys we have been talking about quantum computing for a while right i mean i grew up reading about quantum computing uh where are we today this is of course a future that is like this is very far into the future but how close are we to actually sort of realizing that future of quantum computing well it's not too far into the future um actually things are more closer than you imagine um so just as a background where we are um ibm put out uh, its mission on cloud uh, way back in 2016 and uh, since then it's been used uh, well over 4 trillion circuits have been executed on it um there is a robust roadmap that has come about first missions were 4 qubit machines now uh, we have 127 qubit machines available we have roadmap to get to 4000 qubits in couple of years um so we have come quite rapidly quite far and uh, uh, the future that you are talking about is not so far ahead either it's it's quite accessible now uh, in fact we are looking at in the next couple of years or so Uh, some specific problem of interest uh, could get some quantum advantage out of these missions so it's not like it's way into the future qubit and quantum advantage these are terms that keep repeating whenever you hear about quantum computing when you first learn about computers you hear the term bit which is the basic building block of today's computers the more bits you have the more powerful a computer is 8 bits make a byte 1024 bytes make a kilobyte 
and so on and so forth. There's megabytes, petabytes, zettabytes, and all of that. But bits function like a light bulb, which can either be on or off. In computer parlance, that's zero and one. Qubits, on the other hand, like I said before, are a thing that actually seem like magic. They function on the theory of superposition, where they can be on and off at the same time. Can you imagine a light that can be on and off at the same time? That is exactly why quantum computing sometimes seems so far-fetched. Remember those mazes we used to solve as kids, where you had to draw a line that would lead you from the entry to the exit of a maze? We solved it by exploring different paths till we found the one that would lead us to the exit. But we did this one path at a time, right? Our modern computers do the same thing. They just do it faster than most humans. The quantum computer, on the other hand, explores all the paths simultaneously, that is, at the same time. Wouldn't that be faster? Crazy, right? Let's take one more example. When we solve problems, we usually solve one problem at a time. For example, if I tell you to multiply 2 by 2, you quickly say 4. But if I tell you to multiply 25 by 52, it takes longer. Because it's a more complex calculation. And it has more steps. This time that it takes is called linear time. It basically increases linearly as the problem increases. Quantum computers work in something called polynomial time. And it's something that modern computers just cannot handle. This is why there are problems today which modern computers can solve. And then there are some problems which modern computers cannot solve, but if you give them the solution, they can verify it. And the problems that quantum computers can solve better than regular computers, that's where the term quantum advantage comes in. It basically describes the fact that a quantum computer can solve a problem more efficiently and better than a classical computer. But we still have to understand all of this in our general computing terms, right? That's what I asked them next. So to that point, you know, Sisha, what you're saying is that, yeah, it, it's not that far into the future. In fact, uh, I think Arvind Krishna and IBM, IBM has put out their roadmap saying there will be a 4000 qubit quantum computer by 2025. I want to understand the significance of this, right? Like you said, we were at four, now we are at 127. Uh, can we put this in sort of modern computing terms? You know, when we say that, you know, we have reached sort of this level of power, what does that mean in the qubit terms? Just to um, uh, emphasize on that power point, uh, currently we have what is called as an Eagle processor, which is a 127 qubit machine. Now, if you look at purely from the potential of that particular machine, 127 qubit has something like 2 power 127 states. It's a quite a large number of states. If I have to simulate uh, all the things that can happen in a quantum computer classically, currently we are beyond what is possible in a classical computer. Um, so currently we are already in a regime where uh, the possibilities that can, a quantum computer can do is not simulatable exactly uh, in a classical hardware. I'm talking about any classical computer, including supercomputer. However, since um, those qubits are noisy, we are not able to get to all the possible states that we can potentially get to. Uh, it has a limited the power. But in terms of the qubits and what it means, 
is that currently we are in those regime where we are beyond the compute capacity of a classical hardware to simulate all that is possible in a quantum computer earlier uh, we were in say sub 50 qubit machines those uh, number of qubits could be uh, simulated exactly in a classical computer and classical supercomputer now we are in a regime where you cannot exactly simulate what is possible in a quantum computer however the quantum computer have to evolve a lot more they get to they need to get lot less noisy and we need to uh, get more better at controlling those uh, machines in order to uh, get all the power that is potential that is out there in these machines so when we say that we are going to go to you know 1000 qubits and then 4000 qubits and so on what happens to eliminating noise because that's the final quantum computer that we want to reach right yeah so so i'll i'll start here and shesha can add so there is another term which is quantum volume okay so quantum volume is the number of qubits and also you know uh, how efficient or how 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 big a circuit can you create using these qubits right how how effective are these qubits and by the end of this year we are again going to cross 1000 plus quantum volume and like there is moore's law in classical computing which doubles every 2 years in quantum computing we are seeing that the quantum volume has been doubling every year okay and what that means is not only are you increasing the number of qubits but you are also reducing the noise okay they are not completely noise free yet but you are still doing progress there so that the noise is coming down moore's law was a prediction made back in 1965 by gordon moore the co-founder of intel who said that the number of transistors on a chip would double every year he revised that prediction to 2 years in 1975 and from then to now it has sort of been a guiding light for the chip industry and has defined its progress basically the more transistors a chip has more powerful and efficient it will be and this is exactly why companies like qualcomm often tout the number of transistors on their chips for reference their newest chips have 3 billion and more transistors what venkat said is that a similar rule is forming in quantum computing as well which is good news for us because it shows progress in recent years there have been scientists and firms around the world who have claimed that they have developed quantum chips for example just this month a canadian company called xanadu said they developed a quantum processing unit or a qpu which can perform computations that would take a classical computer 9000 years in just 36 seconds forming a quantum chip is a big deal because the hardware we have for quantum right now it almost does not fit on chip but can we equate a quantum chip to the chips that we know today let me ask a sort of very general listener type questions right um in in modern the computers we have today what we say is that you know my new processor is x gigahertz or uh, even if we talk about say moore's law we say that okay processor speed has gone up and overall performance has gone up right Can you put qubits in that context? What does you know the increasing qubits mean from a quantum computing point of view? So the question is more about not just about frequency, but more about what kind of problems can I solve? Can I solve problems that are not solvable in classical at all? Um, for example, 
uh, factoring is one demonstrated thing that you may have come across so it was shown that uh, factoring uh, which is a bedrock of many of uh, our uh, rsa algorithms or security algorithms you can factorize in a polynomial time in a quantum computer but there is no known equivalent in classical and that's why we use it in our uh, rsa algorithms um but that is not possible or thus far there is no known uh, solution in classical so that tells us that this is a different breed altogether so you have to think of it slightly differently um but back to your question the frequency question is not completely misplaced either for a practical compute you need something to be done in reasonable time that is that is practical i can have polynomial time but if that polynomial time takes few days that's not practical or useful to me so there the frequency of operation comes into play and one of the reasons why ibm chose superconducting qubits is the frequency of its operation it the gates that we uh, that operate are very fast so it's in the order of 5 to 8 meg- uh, gigahertz it's very fast uh, it's comparable to the fastest processors that are there in the classical hardware um and that is very important because in this technology gives something like a thousand times faster than other competitive technologies and therefore this becomes very important so the calculations at the basic gate level is very rapid and that is comparable to classical so we have established that quantum computers will be powerful but supercomputers are powerful too and we have used that to develop ai algorithms many of which are at the core of many of the problems the world is facing today what will quantum computing do to ai so vegat you uh, i know you you have done a lot on ai lot of sort of work on ai as well and you know science fiction has often showed us that when computing gets to that level that's where ai will sort of evolve to agi yeah, we have movies like avengers and all which have showed those you know really sci-fi futures right what does quantum do for ai and uh, you know what is the role of ai in this space so so if you look at ai right the what are the major challenges of ai today right one challenge is that um, it is not generalizable right which means that if i train an ai system for uh, recognizing cars it's not it doesn't do very well on recognizing animals okay so what i have to do today is to train it you know i have to give it lots and lots of labeled data training data and the ai system is as good as the training data that i provided and so far we have been able to you know build very very focused ai systems for specific domains you know like uh, uh, for automobile you know driving for uh, recognizing fruits and classifying them as ripened fruit or not but we still do not have generalized ai systems the second issue of ai is that ai systems today are not explainable many of them will give you an answer but they will not tell you how they reached that answer right they will not tell you you know i followed these steps if i suggest to you that take this red you know wear this red shirt i will have a, as a human i give you a reason for it i i might say oh you wore a red shirt that day you look good in it so wear that again or you might say that you know for your complexion red will look good you know you'll have some reasoning to go with it with your choice today's ai systems are not explainable they do not explain 
their uh, you know reasoning behind what they have suggested and the and the third is you know ai systems are biased today right i mean they are they have inherent biases that uh, the labeling data brings in now with quantum what be- becomes possible is that some of these uh, challenges of ai we believe you can tackle them much much better right you know, so the ai systems offer a lot of promise and they have been used in many things but as you scale ai as you generalize ai as you make ai explainable as you try and re- reduce bias in ai systems we are facing lot of computational challenges and that challenge is what you know we expect uh, quantum to be able to address hmm. Hmm. so are we then looking at uh, you know sort of uh, be it a chatbot or say our 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 voice ai systems that most sort of regular users evolve uh, sort of interact with uh, we we have these robotic systems today right so are we looking at those really natural sort of ai systems when you say that you know the ai can explain itself are we saying that you know because it can do more calculations it will be able to interact with a regular user just like sort of a you know regular interaction would be yeah you're right so we are saying that you know you will be able to build more complex ai systems uh, which today you know even in, on the best you know uh, supercomputers we are limited by certain you know aspects of computation and also algorithms of course you know we are still developing new ai algorithms but one of the limitations is also the computational limitation of today's supercomputers but what we are saying like you rightly said with quantum we believe that you know you can go deeper and you'll be able to do much more complicated execute much more complicated algorithms to make you know the the example you gave about the chatbot right i mean the, the it, ai started with that right with the turing saying that here is the test of an ai system if if an ai system you chat with it and you're not able to distinguish distinguish it from a human then you can say that a, a you know an ai system has acquired in, yeah. enough intelligence right of course we haven't reached there but today we are at a point where you know routinely we are able to deploy chat based systems for very uh, narrow tasks you know banking or uh, reservation now that generalized ai which is expected of the turing test we have not reached there but you know we mm. we hope that you know with quantum and classical working together you know cpus gpus and qpus together will be able to cross some of these frontiers which we have not been able to do today Hmm. Are you are you trying to avoid saying we'll have self-taught AI? Uh, uh, well, as a uh, scientist, you know, we of course we we are trying all that. You know, auto AI is a is something we it's a active area of research for us today. You know, where uh, computers can write programs themselves, can come up with you know uh, uh, hypotheses on their own. but we aren't there yet right uh, but it, it's not to say that we'll not reach there so definitely as a scientist i believe we'll reach there 
applications and sort of services that we are already building on top of quantum right shisha if you could go into any of that what kind of uh you know services and applications are we building today uh one of the application areas is in the space of um generally quantum chemistry but in particular drug discovery for example you want to go identify a new drug uh, one of the limitations amongst many others is this computational problem that i cannot simulate the molecules exactly or at least it doesn't improve my quality of my saying this is not a good molecule for this particular thing if it can help it there if it takes a few years for a new drug to come through uh, i'm talking generally uh, and if it can reduce it to say few months that's a big win mm-hmm. right so that has a very wide impact mm-hmm. um, the other thing uh, you can think of uh, is perhaps um, in the energy domain uh, the green space so one of the important elements um, in the green is as you know electric uh, vehicles uh, as much reliance as less reliance on um, uh, petroleum products uh, as we can we need to balance that out so the, what is the challenge there the challenge is, is the battery so there are active area of research which is to look at other alternatives to the lithium ion model that we have been using for a, such a long time uh, there is an active area of research there to say other alternatives like lithium uh, lithium sulfur and many others so that's an um, active area of research again the same problem exists i cannot simulate them exactly precisely quantum has the potential to go do a better job at it and therefore it has a possibility that i may come up with a better battery solution and if we do you know the potential impact on the broader society as a whole so there you have it knowing new drugs finding new battery chemistry for evs and everything else we want to find out requires new calculations which in turn require more powerful computers and that's what quantum computing is expected to help us achieve And that's it for this week's episode. Please do let me know what you thought of it and what else you would want me to cover. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at undertaker. Yes, you heard that right. That's U N D E R T E C H E R. You can also give us feedback at HT Smartcast. We're present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please do log on to htsmartcast.com and listen to all of our productions. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.